Well, the NAB finally shows some guts in things, and we've picked on the NAB a lot, so it's nice to have a little bit of oomph behind the NAB statements. Northern Michigan loses a weatherman to COVID, and this time it wasn't terminal. <laughs> and Marketron gets hacked. And we remember a fun traffic story from our radio days. Hi, I'm Jackson Weaver in Seattle, along with my co-host, Keith Samuels, from the hills of Southern California. And we're here with more opinions and ideas about media, any kind of media, but particularly radio and TV. For the Tuesday edition, September 21st, this is Media Insulted. You know, Keith, I don't know if we hold sway with the folks in our business, uh, but the big news this week is that while the COVID, uh, COVID's Delta variant is raging in hospitals, hundreds of Americans are dying every week, thousands are hospitalized, the NAB and a couple of broadcasters finally decided to require a vaccination of their employees. And as you know, each year the NAB holds uh, what is, uh, to my understanding, the second largest trade show in the country. <laughs> which is second only to the CES show. There are more than 120,000 people who attend it each year. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal and a major revenue source for the NAB, but they are canceling this probably less than a month out. Yeah. This is a big deal. What do you think? Well, I think, yeah, it is a very big deal. And not only do they cancel the NAB convention and trade show, and it is a massive – If you, you talk about – Incredible technology, you know, from all these companies around the world. It's a, it's a, it's, it's the show that all the TV guys go to and buy cameras and new technology and 5G and next gen TV and all those kinds of things. And you know, it's it's massive, but it also includes the radio advertising bureau trade show too. The RAB trade show is part of this event, and that also has been canceled as a result of the NAB decision. But I think, I think, yes, they required vaccination for anybody attending. And I think more than domestically, I think this impacted their international attendees more than the domestic attendees. They could have the show with people vaccinated in the U.S., but you're talking about all these foreign-owned electronics companies and all of their technology guys and all of their salespeople flying in from around the world. And by the way, I would have to say that a, a, a larger percentage than we realize of attendees of the U.S. NAB are international television and production people, just like the Consumer Electronics Show. And a lot of those folks aren't vaccinated, and particularly in Asia and elsewhere. So I think they're probably looking at this going, wait a minute, I don't think we're going to have anybody be able to be here. So I think the attendance drop or the cancellations by the manufacturers and attendees probably made the decision for the NAB pretty easy. Yeah, that's a it's a great point. Although, man, I'm telling you, this is a huge hit for these guys. This is their major revenue source for the year, and this is the second year in a row they've had to do this. And, you know, the truth is I hadn't even thought about the foreign attendees. That's really a real good point. Over and above just the liability of having to mandate vaccination domestically and yeah i think mm-hmm. probably 25 or 30 percent of their total attendance is international and so you know that it leaves them in a in a real dilemma you know we yeah. do pick on the nab i mean you know we had ron stone on a couple of weeks ago and ron was saying you know that for a lot of broadcasters just a small radio broadcasters yeah, yeah. <laughs> small radio broadcasters just you know don't get a lot of value out of nab but 
I do applaud them for, you know, a little courage and their willingness to be involved in a really messy choice. I mean, think about it. They've got hundreds of vendors who've made deposits. They've got deposits on hotels. This is going to be a messy, messy deal. And I guess it raises the question, what's the rest of the year look like? You know, Radio Inc. has their forecast in November in particular. It's one I always try to attend and I'm thinking about. And, you know, there again, you know, are they going to do a vaccine mandate? And I don't have any interest in going if they're not. But, you know, the difference for Radio Inc. and NAB is Radio Inc. doesn't have $200 million in the bank. So NAB can float through this kind of a thing. So, yeah, yeah, and I think you know we'll we'll see we'll see what uh, what Radio Inc does with its uh, Hispanic radio conference coming up in a couple of weeks. Isn't that like soon? I think it starts then, Wednesday. Yeah, and I think it starts yeah, like this week. This week, and then forecast. So they're going to have it this week. Interestingly enough, so we'll see. Uh, I I don't you know you're right. They're not in a position to throw a lot of weight around and and uh, require this or require that. So you know you you, you might be safe going to the going to the uh, the forecast in November. It should be nice. It should be nice. Well, you know, uh, as these groups have drawn the line and said, if you work for us, you have to be vaccinated. You know, the, there was a, an awful lot of who's going to blink first. Well, gray television has shown that they're real serious about the vaccine mandate. They fired a weatherman who had been on the air for 33 years in Marquette at a station WLUC. It's an NBC affiliate. They fired him for his failure to comply with their vaccination requirements. So they drew a line and said, don't cross it. Bonick is his name. Uh, what's his name? Carl Bonick, I think. And he claimed yeah. that he has authority over his body, which, okay, no, nobody's going to deny that. But he doesn't have the right simultaneously to spread the disease to other people while exercising his authority over his body. And I know I get a little rabid about this, and you probably will be telling me you need to calm down, but... We'd really like to get back to normal. Well, we thought the vaccine would bring us back to normal, didn't we? We and did. So, you know, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But, you know, the other part of it, too, is that, and, and, and we're finally starting to get some pressure on the governmental agencies that oversee these things, is, is what about those people that have had COVID and what is their resistance to it through their antibodies? And and so I hope these companies are, 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 are thoughtfully allowing those people who can prove that, obviously, that they've had it. And, uh, and allow them some sort of accommodation because there are some studies coming out now that say that, that those people that have had COVID and survived, obviously, uh, you know, have a stronger resistance to getting the, the disease again. You know, I think there's, there's got to be some more accommodations than just saying yes and no. Either you're vaxxed or you get fired. It's like, uh, okay, let's talk about, you know, your own situation. And we're going to see, we're going to see, and, and I'm already hearing stories from broadcasters of people that are already planning on losing when these policies kick in this uh, this next month, primarily in, in October, they're saying you got to have be, you know you have to be vaccinated by a certain date, um, and they're they're going yeah I'm losing a couple of salespeople here I'm losing a salesperson there I'm losing a programming person there and you know I've got to figure out what to do. Well, and I you know my wife and I were talking about this the other day, and I said yeah that, that you know because she, she's got a client who has got that problem too losing employees you know, quitting for the same reason. Uh, that company is a manufacturing company. And, and I said, well, they can quit, but where are they going to go? They're going to go to somebody yeah. else, and they're going to say, are you vaccinated? And they're going to say no, and they'll say, sorry, you know, we're not hiring. You know, I think that's going to last for a very short period of time. There's going to be undoubtedly lawyers who make a good deal of money out of it, as is almost always the the case. <laughs> but, you know, in, I mean, in, in this case, I think it's going to be necessary, or it's going to be messy, messy. 
But it's nice to see these companies drawing a line and having a little courage and leadership, if if a bit late. That's that's my thought, and let's hope we all get back to normal real soon. Okay, this I didn't know we had a category for this just in, but <laughs> this just in, this as just they used in. to say, you know, that a little teletype tapping in the in the background. You know, it was funny when 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 I was a, a kid working in high school, we'd do these remotes out at the world's or out at the state fair at the fairgrounds and we always set up a teletype machine and it was the biggest attraction at the fair i mean these kids had raised pigs and goats and chickens for years and nobody had any attention attention to that they were always just looking at the teletype machine so anyway in this just in category i do digress sorry <laughs> okay it, boomer <laughs> <laughs> it seems that mark has drawn which is probably the largest traffic system operator in the country. They do quite a few other services, but their core business originally was traffic systems, uh, was hacked over the weekend. And uh, this essentially means that about 6,000 radio stations are kind of running blind. You know, they're, they're not able to play commercials. Their programs aren't getting downloaded properly. I mean, it really screws up a station, particularly news talk. Now, if you're if you're playing music, okay, you play music and figure out how to slip a couple of commercials in. And at this point, we don't know really know much more. I mean, I don't know whether there's a ransom or what it is. But these stations are all now reduced to either doing it manually or having some kind of backup. And I understand from uh, rumor mill that the hackers are holding out for some Shiloh script in exchange for releasing the files. So... But, you know, it reminded me of a, a story a few years ago. Um, I was um, brought in to run a media market uh, station, KGY, in Olympia, Washington, that when I arrived there, they had a traffic manager, delightful lady, whose name was Gina. Gina, Keith, had been the traffic manager for 25 years. She was very pleasant but very strict about doing things her way, the way it had always been done. I'm certain you've met a few people like that in your years. Well, and, and you know, I think, yeah, right. Yeah, you can count them on one hand and then a lot more. Uh, I'm sure when they moved to computer-based traffic logs instead of manual, I'm sure she had a real hard time with that. So as I'm digging around the operation trying to clean things up and figure out how to get the station back on track, I discovered her real tenacity for doing things the way she had always done it. It was an ongoing process because what she would do is each day she would prepare four individual program logs, one for AM, one for FM, one for the AM stream, one for the FM stream, mm -hmm. regardless of the fact that these streams were simulcasting the same thing as on the radio stations. These logs were all on 24 or 18-inch legal-sized paper, one for a page for each hour of the day, and I found she'd put a copy of each log in a studio each day, even though nobody had an AM or FM studio, they just were studios at that point. No one ever looked at them, no one ever objected to them either. And Gina would then, at the end of each day, collect the unsigned logs, unused, and a waste of paper and space, and she'd take them to the attic for storage. Mm -hmm. Now, as you know, paper logs are no longer required by the FCC. But that was just the way that Gina did it. And then, <laughs> I hope you're ready for this. I discovered that she had kept every single day's program log since the early 40s in the station's attics. File cabinet after file cabinet with nothing but daily program logs that went back into the early 40s. <laughs> so, Do not light a match in the attic. Oh, oh my gosh, a fire, fire hazard if there ever was one. So I don't know, Keith. Maybe she was prescient. 
maybe she was just getting ready for today when the online system went down. What do you think? Well, I think, you know, first of all, for the non-pros in the audience, the traffic systems at radio stations have nothing to do with the traffic on the 405 or the S-curves or the, you know, the, <laughs> uh, the Harbor Freeway here in L.A. You know, it, it's about, it's, there's, a, there's another use of that term, which is trafficking the music and the commercials when they're supposed to be played in the right order at the right time throughout your day. And so they create these, that's the traffic department's responsibility to create these logs that lay out the script for the day. And so in our infinite wisdom as radio operators, hey, what's one way we can save a lot of dough? And that is consolidate our traffic into maybe fewer people that run those, that put those logs together. And then secondarily, why aren't we putting up all this stuff up on the log? Why are we having all these big computers and printers in the radio station when they need space and people and paper? Let's just call, and there's Marketron. We can do all of that for you in the cloud. Isn't it cool? This is great. So when Marketron gets hacked, basically shuts down. They got shut down by Black Market out of Russia, apparently. They knew instantly who it was. It's the Russians. It's always the Russians. And so, and, and now what happens is they're, they're sending out emails to radio station operators around the country going, you don't have a traffic system. Yeah. And they're going, oh, my God, what happened? And when are we going to get it back? And so they have no idea. But what, what that does effectively is it shuts down the operation of the radio station, right? It does, if, you can't, if you can't run your traffic system, you've got to do it now manually, and you've got to, you've got to like figure it out and fake it for a few days until they get this sorted out. When do we, whose spots do we put in? When? How often? What time? What order? You know, all that stuff. It's just it's crushing to a radio station. And, you know, you might not hear it on the air. It might just sound normal. But, oh, my God, this, this is crushing to the operation. So it, it kind of tells you. And now, Odyssey, Intercom was hacked last year, right? They were. Um, they were, right. Last fall, which was mm-hmm. devastating to them. And they ended up paying big bucks to, uh, to get, this, get their system back up and online. And that took down their email. That took down almost everything at that company. When you think about the cloud, and everything's on the cloud. You know, well, let's put everything on the cloud. It's going to be great. Music's on the cloud. All our content's on the cloud. And all our traffic system's on the cloud. And then somebody comes along and hacks you, and you're completely screwed. And that's what's happened to... Uh, uh, all you know, six thousand Marketron clients. So I, you know, it's just, it's crazy making. It'll be interesting to see how it goes this week. And I'm sure you will hear from people. I'll hear from people that are Marketron clients and go, what a what a mess it is. Or maybe they can solve it and get it done and taken care of, and they're off and running. But this is devastating news in Radioland. Yeah, and it uh, calls on radio and TV stations. TV isn't affected in this case, but TV has the same traffic system in the cloud in most cases. Mm -hmm. And it calls upon them to kind of figure out how do we have some kind of a backup, some kind of a a system that's isolated from the Internet that we can do as a backup. And and for all I know, they do. I, yeah, I but really that person's not. name, that person, that backup's name is Gina. Yeah, right. and she doesn't work there anymore. And she's coming <laughs> out like, of retirement. Yeah, it's like Gina's going. She's sitting at home going, "I told you, boys. I told <laughs> you. You know, don't get rid of me. You know, you need that log." <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, it's a, we'll keep an eye on it. Maybe talk a little bit about it further uh, in uh, Thursday or next week's show when we have some resolution it. on it. Um, and, you know, we always love to hear stories about, you know, questionable management. So if anybody has any other stories on traffic or anything in your radio or TV station, just ping us uh, on a DM on LinkedIn or at Jackson at InTown Media. Uh, we've made uh, this a real serious COVID I- episode, Eric, or um, Keith. Where did that come from? Boomer. <laughs> Let's break out some other stories so we can offer our opinions on those Thursday, Keith. What do you say? And and Keith, it's now time for you to tell where our audience can get episodes of me. Yes, well, don't, Go no, ahead. don't forget our favorite, our favorite, uh, our new favorite podcast cataloging site and app is Overcast. So it's super easy to find us there. But make sure that you follow us on on Apple Podcasts, on iHeart, on uh, on Audible, you know, all the places that you go to find podcasts. um, We're there. Follow us so, you know, you get pinged every time we put up a a new episode, but it's basically Tuesday, Thursday, you know, we're coming around. And, uh, And don't forget, you can look at us, you can watch us opine in our very own little squares here uh, on YouTube. And, uh, you know, that's where all our friends and family come and see us and get caught up on how we're doing and how we look. So uh, YouTube's another great place to see us. And you are looking good until Thursday. Have a good week, buddy. (laughs) Thank you, Jackson. We beat the Cougars!